Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Well, might not have felt it today, but South Carolina was able to find a way to win. And at some points in this game, it didn't seem like they were going to win. But they they were able to get it off. They were able to get back in the winning uh, column. And uh, it, it was it was certainly not one of those games, Garrett. His former Gamecock offensive lineman Garrett Anderson joins me. It wasn't one of those games that you walk away and you're feeling great about. But at the same time, too, to get a win knowing like that's what you had to do. You feel good about it, but, man, when you go back and watch the film tomorrow, I'm sure this is going to be a tough one for those guys. It's going to feel like a loss. You know, this is one of those kind of games where, um, you know, it's good to win. It wins feel good. It's going to feel better in the in the win column. But uh, in terms of, uh, yeah, just the rest of your week and the rest of your week, especially watching Clemson pull out against Notre Dame, it just – that made this whole Saturday worse. Um, but, yeah, in terms of our game, man, it's it, – 
we, we there's still so many things when you watch the game that we just got to tighten up as a team. Well, as we come from you live from Williams Bryce Stadium, intern Joe is with us as well. So yep. if you want to send Joe any comments, you want to give him a call, the phone lines are open. So open the floodgates up. Yeah. Um, look, as we get things going here, I think we have to start off with the defense. And I want to start off particularly with what we saw at the end of the game. In no shape, way, or form, in no shape, way, or form, should anyone be satisfied or happy in any me in any way with what we saw from the defense today. Having said that, backs up against the wall. A guy like Stone Bland, I actually put this out on Twitter a little while ago, doesn't have the greatest day, but yet he was able to bounce back and he was able to finish off strong. And because of the way that he performed at the end of the game, having that pick six, and some people bet, well, went right at him. Yeah, it's so much easier said than done. Don't want to crap on anybody, but look at former Gamecock Darius Rush. Had an opportunity. It's not always easy when the ball's coming right at you. There's a lot of pressure. Guy made a big play, ran it back, and iced the game. I say that, though, Garrett, because, again, no one should be happy with what we saw from the defense today. But as a former player, what did you take away from the way that he was able to bounce back in terms of being able to step up when the team needed him the most. I mean, that's that middle toughness. You know, I mean, heck, you talk about ball getting thrown right on. We have balls thrown right at our receivers and they don't catch the ball. It's not as easy as it looks. There's a lot of pressure on it. He's also not focused on catching the ball. He's focused on a million other things. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, resilience is important. That's one thing that I think, especially how our season has gone, you've seen a lot of guys start to really get exhausted by just the the uh, – lack of success with the season and so seeing these guys actually fight through this and let's let's start with the the root of this whole situation jacksonville state's not a bad team now granted are they as talented as us no should they beat us heck no but is that just a bum team that we pulled off the streets no that's a good that's a well-coached team that knows how to win in but comparison in, against some other lower fbs opponents i would take half of conference usa over that team right now i mean all day long um but in terms of you know Stones resilience to get back into it. I thought that a lot of our defense kept on fighting, which I like. But I mean, let's be real here, and this is you know being being honest. There's just still so much more we got to continue to work on every week. What you got for us, Joe? Yeah, we got Zach on the line. Zach, go ahead. Appreciate you calling in, Zach. Yeah, tough, tough to hear right there. Are you able to no, hear I, ca I caught a couple things. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I thought the O-line played a little bit better. I don't disagree with that at all. Um, Leggett's talented. I mean, let's just be honest here. Like, you know, watching Leggett do what he does. But I agree with your point in terms of we have to find a way to win. Um, we got a couple more games left. We have what most people have consistently thought of the weaker half of the SEC East for the rest of our schedule. Mm. And then the team up north uh, that we got to deal with. But you're absolutely right. We have to continue to find ways – to win i thought we did find ways to win here and there um which i mean yeah silver lining better than it could be are we satisfied <laughs> no 
you know? No. Well, I, want, I do want to talk about the offensive line for a minute because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people out there that are going to bring this up, and it's a fair question or statement, and I want your, just your opinion and your take based on what we saw without obviously having the tight view of it on the tape and going back and watching the film. From an offensive line standpoint, it really felt like for the majority of the game, they really struggled to create consistency when it came to getting the run game going. Now, obviously, one thing that we all know, and it's been this way throughout the course of the season, they've been playing musical cheers, trying to figure out not just the five best guys, but the best five when it comes to who works best together. And obviously, as we know tonight, or today, I should say, Vershawn Lee, he was back out there. Case and Henry, he was back out there for the first time since week one. That's not to make excuses. Does that play a role as to maybe why we didn't see USC's offensive line getting that consistent push. And that's not to take anything away from Jacksonville state, but after that first drive of the game, right. I mean, shoot, Mario Anderson had 43 yards. I know one of them was a 40 yard run on the first drive, but I was a little surprised. And don't get me wrong. Spencer Rattler was slicing and dicing that secondary, but when you wanted to run the football, it felt like they weren't able to go anywhere after that. Yeah, push has always has been an issue that we've had all year, and push is going to come down to strength and talent, and that's something that we've talked about all year. Like some guys have said in the group chat, there's a lot of things that have just been said about this year that are not going to change. You're not going to change the talent of the O-line. You're not going to change the strength of the O-line during season. That's just not how this works. But I, I will say that I think that what Jacksonville State's game plan was was to fill the box enough to where the run wasn't it to make us become a one-dimensional team and make Rattler win. Um there's a lot of times, I mean, especially as the game progressed, I mean, there was just too many guys in the box. And, we, you know, we're not going to get the push. But, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, you need to have advantage in the box, the two high type stuff to get a good run game going. They weren't giving us that. So you're supposed to throw the ball in those situations. We did a lot of RPO stuff, which I think is supposed to take advantage of that kind of uh, imbalance in the defense. But their game plan was to make us throw the ball. Yeah. And shoot, it's crazy to say that, right? Especially knowing what they've been able to do yep. with uh, Xavier Leggett out there. And maybe, look, yep. maybe Jacksonville State going into a game like today, maybe they figured, hey, shoot, maybe Xavier Leggett won't be 100%. That certainly wasn't the case. And we saw what he was able to do. He's actually closing in on a very impressive record. Um, I say record. It's more so just company. But he is trying to become – it would be the fifth game cock because Sidney Rice was able to do it twice – trying to eclipse the 1,000 receiving yard mark in a season. I believe he finished just shy of 27 yards of being able to achieve that today. Obviously put up incredible numbers. Elshon Jeffrey back in uh, 2010 holds that mark. You have Elshon in there, Sidney Rice twice, and then uh, Sterling Sharp closing out that list. But I bring that up because you've, <laughs> you've been around this program. You've been around college football a long, long time. What we're seeing from him in comparison and – I'm not trying to take anything away from those guys that I've just mentioned. And, I mean, you could add even more. You can add Kenny McKinley. You can add other guys to that list that didn't hit that mark. Brian Edwards, whoever. But what Xavier Leggett is doing right now, is this one of the more impressive seasons by a USC receiver that you've ever seen? I think it's definitely impressive. One thing that I will say, just so that you have the understanding of where I'm coming from, yep. when I watch the game, I watch the box, especially with all the O-line stuff and trying to figure out what that's going on, how we're getting beat, all that kind of stuff. So usually whenever I go to look to where the receivers are, it's after the ball is thrown. What I find so fascinating is that I feel as if they're never covering Leggett, which is not the case. No one's ever just saying, hey, that's the best receiver. Let's just let him go run. He always seems to just be either wide open or past the, co the coverage or able to just snag the ball. He's clearly 
so good at working in open space and finding a way to make himself open. And this consistency. I mean, how many times have you said, oh, Legate uh, should have caught that ball? Yep. I mean, almost never. So, you know, he's he's very impressive. We have been, as, as Carolina fans, we've been very blessed to have a, a string of really top-talented receivers. Outside of Leggett, outside of maybe not getting the consistency from a push standpoint up front to be able to get the run game going, obviously Spencer had a phenomenal day, over 300-something yards. We'll get into the offense a little bit more. Joe, what you got for us, though? No caller, but I did just want to chime in about the defense. I mean, I think, you know, they were good enough to get stops. Um, so that's something you can build on going down the stretch, um, being good situationally. I think, you know, you can hold your head high on being able to stop the triple option for the most part. Um, but, I mean, one thing, like, you, you you allowed more than 20 points. I think it was 16 straight games or something like that, dead last in the FBS. So you still allowed a bunch of points. But I think, again, like I said, some you can take with you going into this home stretch um, against good SEC talent and then obviously Clemson is that, you know, you got the stops when you needed them. So kind of going Yo, off you, that and also, Joe, you, got, you finally got a couple turnovers, which I think is big Joe, too. You can build that. The turnover point I really want to hit on, but you brought up a real good point, though, about the points. Because, again, some people are going to look at and I, there it is. It's Jacksonville State. Stop it. I, <laughs> we're going to. So, again, I want to cut you off because I knew that was going to happen. I think we have. Is it Chip that said that? Yeah. No one is saying let's throw a friggin' parade down Main Street. However, Garrett, when you are losing, losing, lo four game losing streak coming into today, you're trying to gain some type of freaking confidence. And I'm not saying it was perfect by any means in all three phases, certainly not on the defensive side. But what can today do? When you talk about, like Joe brought up, being able to get the turnovers going. Because before today, the last time they had forced a turnover, you have to go all the way back to the second quarter against Tennessee. Yeah. On top of that, you were able to get a win. It doesn't matter if you're going up against the freaking Colombian Knights Pop Warner team in town. I don't care who you're going up against. They had to find a way to win, and they were able to do that today, even though it wasn't pretty. Again, not pretty. And I, and I agree. I mean, this is one of the situations where, uh, you know, we've we've scheduled, I mean, Furman and Jacksonville State, those should be those games where we put in the freshmen and we just run over people. But those are not bad teams. Now, granted, one thing that I think that we have got to work on is that there were numerous times where Rattler was sitting in the pocket trying to throw the ball and he had no one to go to because we were covered constantly. That's one thing we've got to figure out. We should not be getting outworked, outcoached yep. in the situation. That, that's a situation where, talent-wise, our talent should really take over. Is that the most frustrating part about today? What's the most frustrating part? The, and, and, this, and I'm going to be, be completely honest, guys, especially from this perspective, we can't say as many you know egregious things as you want to about the team. We have to be a lot more above board on this. But there's a lot of situations where, and I promise you, the guys who work over in that building over there know this very, very well, there's a lot of coaching that needs to be done with this program. There's a lot of things that they've got to tighten up. I think the thing that I love is that our defense fought really well i still think we have some of the best tackles in the state but i agree our our tackling is, is hard to watch like we should not be diving at people we should not be arm tackling over the sec you should put your helmet in their chest and try to break a rib i mean that's the game plan and we're not doing that right now and i promise you those guys in the in the office are not watching film going that's good enough i promise you they're getting cussed out all day tomorrow <laughs> all day monday i mean that's what's going to happen so uh, it's it's good. I, I think these are the kind of games, the kind of Saturdays where, where I mean, Kentucky's not going to be a, a pushover. Vandy, I can I was two and two versus those nerds. I can't stand that freaking team. Uh, they're they're problematic. They get SEC talent too, and then we got to beat team up north. I mean, we we have a stretch coming up. These are those games where you got to sit back and be appreciative of the win, appreciative of the situation where you know we got we got our third win. I know I'm not stoked, but it's better than better than zero. Um, 
but I do think that there is some some stuff here that's going to look better that we're going to have to try to build on going forward. Joe, sorry to cut you off there, but I brought up two good points. I didn't want to overlook yeah. that. Anything else you wanted to add? Yeah, I mean, fantastic play from Stone Blanton. I think he had been struggling a little bit with that ankle injury, wasn't feeling like himself. Um, you can kind of tell it Texas a and I, I Personally, I didn't think he was playing like himself, and then he comes out in this game um, with the C on his chest too, one of those captains. Um, so I, I it lo- the C looks great on him, and then he was playing up to that standard too. So I think this is going to be a big game for Stone um, to be able to match that energy Debo Williams has been bringing the last couple of weeks. Debo looked good. You know, kind mm-hmm. of the bright spot in tackling um, for the South Carolina defense. I mean, they didn't tackle well at all. Um, and against the read option team, it's it's going to show. So I think today that it, indeed it did. You got to be able to tackle. Um, and then Vandy, yeah, looking ahead a little bit, Vandy Clark Lee is a very good football coach, and he's starting to get some talent in there. So, uh, you know, you got a couple good things defensively and a lot of good offensively to kind of take with you going into next week. But Vandy's no joke. No, and look, bottom line is this. Uh, we can sit here and I know some people don't want to talk about the whole bowl eligibility thing because at the end of the day, you just got to you got to keep winning. You got to win next week. You don't win next week. There's no bowl game. Having said all of that, though, having said all of that, you find a way to get a win. And I know this fan base because this fan base is smart. There's a couple knuckleheads, but there's a couple knuckleheads in every fan base. But this this fan base is smart and they're getting sick and tired of hearing the same thing, which is at this point, what can you do differently to be able to overcome some of those issues, whether it be the rushing um, consistently or whether it be the tackling consistently on defense. I mean, this fan base is probably sick and tired of hearing all the same things. I understand some people want to move on from certain coaches, which I don't think that's going to solve everything right now. For Not in the middle of the season. You know, so what do you do at this point? I know we've been asking this question, it seems like, for the last month now. I think this is where – you know, we're deep into that season where I think that I think you guys all know what needs to be done. I, I think at this point, this doesn't take higher level coaching. It takes good fundamentals. It makes it, it takes guys knowing the game plan, execute the game plan. I mean, I think Dabble said it the other day uh, whenever Cade Klubnik pulled the ball, it was not a read. It was a handoff. If the guys just don't do what they're coached to do at the end of the day, what are you supposed to do there? And so I think that's where we got a couple issues here as well as a team is that we've got to do what we're coached. Because I know the guys that are up there, I mean, we're not missing high-level stuff. We're missing basic level. I mean, high school, middle school level stuff. They're going to continue to coach the fundamentals. We're going to try to get guys healthy. And I think that if we continue to play with confidence, we'll have a shot. I mean, heck, the rest of the games are at home, right? I mean, guys, we have this stadium to help with the 12th man situation. I mean, nothing different. It's And this is where this kind of becomes kind of, you know, remedial is that, Nothing new is going to come out of our mouths that they don't already know, that the kids don't already know. You just got to get it done. You got to make sure what you practice on the practice field gets uh, translated to the game. Offensive line-wise, and we don't know what the starting five is going to look like next week, and I would, I'm would, i sure not just the coaches, but the offensive linemen themselves, they'd love to be able to have some type of consistency, and they were probably looking to be able to build off of that today. I don't know if they found exactly what they're looking for quite yet, um, but how crucial is that going to be? Not just to be able to get the run game going the way that we've seen it get at times, but to be able to uh, help Rattler and just being able to get the offense heading in a direction where it's like, hey, we know where our strengths and weaknesses are. It's not a week-to-week thing because we have to plug in this player because this guy's out or that guy's out on the offensive line on the left side. we got to do that. Yeah. 
I mean, consistency is going to be key. And I, what I think has been interesting, I think um, Lonnie's done a great job with this, is that, uh, you know, what makes a phenomenal O-line in college and the NFL is a consistent group of guys that work together constantly. You know you know the guy next to you, Strain the Wheatuses. You know how he works on double teams. Y'all have worked that together so many times. And we've just played musical chairs all year with injuries and we're finding the best five. It, it's a nightmare. And it, I promise you there's no NFL team that won a Super Bowl because they moved O-linemen all year. Heck, I think it was the Patriots that they were on – they were making a run. Their right guard got hurt, and they they were not supposed to win the Super Bowl that year because of their right guard going out because they played together for forever. I think that we're we're getting a little bit of cohesion, and a couple guys are getting healthy. I think that they're starting, especially at this point in the year. you got to know who your best five are, and if you get those five healthy, you should be able to make a push. It's going to help. we just gotta we got to get there. A couple things I just want to hit on, and Joe, if there's any questions that uh, – because we're a little – you know, we've got the glare going on here inside of Williams-Brice. Yeah. Things that we talk about all the time. And again, I think the majority of this fan base understands it, but I see it sometimes pop up after games. Oh man, you know, we got to bring in portal guys. We got to, that's great. All right. We'll talk about that more in December. That's not going to change anything right now. Bottom line is, and we've said this for weeks, this isn't the NFL. You have who you have. You have to find a way to be able to make it work. Defensively, they've been able to do, they started the game off well. And again, I don't care who they're playing. You have to play who you're playing, right? Uh, they did some good things at the beginning of the game last week against Texas A&M, right? First 11 plays, they forced three sacks. We talk about consistency, and it's not to use that word as a lazy word. It's just it's the bottom line. I think with this team, they do things at times where whether it be poor tackling, whether it be poor angles. I mean, you saw some of it today. I think there was a screenplay, and people are going to be like, oh, you're just very protective of Stone. Stone, you know, put down a shuffle. Uh, I thought he broke down a little too soon with this tackle. And because of that, guy was able to cut left and, you know, he was able to pick up the first down. So I bring those things up because there were multiple plays today from a defensive standpoint where it has nothing to do with X's and O's. I'm not saying it, not everything has anything to do with X's and O's because some of it certainly does, personnel, all that stuff. But a lot of it still, I feel like, even going back to that Florida game with DQ Smith coming off the edge on fourth and 10 not being able to contain the quarterback, some of it just goes back to execution. And I get it. Some of the fans, they don't want to blame the players, but it's okay to just call it for what it is. Sometimes players just have to get the job done. Yep. And I know Shane's mentioned that a couple of times in the post games. And, I, you know. And he's took a beating from it for some times. And I get it. You don't throw the players under the bus. But at some point, too, he understands that anything he says to the media it's an extension of what he wants the players to hear and feel and all that kind of stuff. And they hear it at the end of the day. I mean, uh, Shane's job is to, to win games. Correct. And so, you know, if he gets caught, if he gets heat in the media, I mean, quite frankly, he shouldn't care. That's not his job to care. I mean, uh, take it as, as you want. It's not his job to care how we feel. It's not his job is to win games. And, you know, you might be saying stuff like that because you need to make sure the players understand that, that it's not, you know, it's at a certain point, if you've told a guy to go, right, a million times it keeps going left what do you do and uh, you know especially with you know the the depth issues we've got in a couple different spots i mean how old is stone now it's sophomore right correct yeah. i mean you you at a certain point good programs abama or you know other, i'm not gonna say clemson, clemson sucks right now but like you know those programs that have had consistency over those years if their sophomore is not doing well they put in the junior or the senior you know they don't just have to play the sophomore the Probably the situation with Stone is that there's no one behind him that's much better. Well, shoot, what happened first week? And, Joe, you and I have talked about it on the GC Live show. I mean, have, the yeah. linebacker room, at least on paper going into the year, you were pretty excited about it. Oh, very. All of us were. But, unfortunately, you have an injury first game, and 
again, that's not to say that Stone's not capable of playing at this level because he certainly has proved it. He certainly has proved it. He's done some good things. It's just trying to be consistent. I just feel like he's having to do a little bit more, having to probably play a little bit more snaps. And as you mentioned, playing on a bum ankle as is. Yeah. Um, but he's having to probably do a little bit more just because they are so thin at that position. Again, I'm using that position as an example here. But, I mean, we can look at that at multiple spots. Uh, but I think that's one of the biggest issues right now is that you have a lot of guys. And we, we talk about it with the snap count. I mean, my goodness, go on Monday or Sunday. I don't remember exactly when Wes posted or Chris, excuse me. But he'll post the number of snaps offense and defense face each week. And the defensive snaps, you look at, like, it's the same couple guys each week that are having to play because, again, they're either banged up in whatever that room is, whether it be the, the linebacker room, whether it be the defensive back room, or you have guys that it's just going to take them a little bit longer. I mean, that happens too. Yeah, absolutely. No, I and they're like whenever a new coach takes over a program, you, you kind of see a couple guys that have to grow up very quickly. And Stone Blanton yeah. is one of those guys where, you know, he's grown up really quickly and then also had to, you know, become a leader. I mean, he's got the C on his chest as a sophomore. I think that's a very – Joe, I don't great... think we can hear you right now, buddy. Um, um, let's see. Um, everything's plugged in. You got me? Let's see if Joe – I'm going to drop you for a second so you can see if you can get that fixed. But um, and I'm, but I'm sure well, – And I was going to say this too. I mean, one thing we got to keep in mind, like I, we're not saying be – I mean, I, I know with this game in particular, there's going to be a lot of guys that are, are very frustrated. Guys, we should be frustrated. I mean, the amount of missed tackles. That should – today should feel like a loss, and I really do feel like for a lot of us it does. And that's fine. Like we should not be soaked about mediocre play. I think it's going to get better. I think they're going to watch film, and this is going to be a rough week for the guys. But if we could have a game – this is a great – Jacksonville State – was a phenomenal game to have mediocre play, have a lot of missed tackles because we could pull the win out. We did pull the win out. You know, if we have those kind of missed tackles and just that kind of people in the wrong place, like, like someone mentioned, just Stone just completely missing a guy, that versus Clemson might lose us the game. This is a great week to have those mess ups. You know, this is that three quarter in the year. It's a great time to have have these issues. What you got? All right, you guys, can you guys hear me now? We got yeah. you now, Joey. Good now. All right. Yeah, there we go. Little little uh, mic issues on my end, I guess. But, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think, you know, what I was trying to say was that, uh, you know, whenever a coach takes over a program, you see guys that have to grow up really, really, really quickly. And Stone Blanton is one of those guys. He's got the C on his chest as a sophomore. Um, and obviously this year dealing with some ups and downs, not as deep as you wanted, you know, maybe give him some more support there in the middle. But, um, he's really grown up fast and especially towards the end of this year, like this game was a huge game for stone that the pick six was, was massive. It's going to be big for his confidence going forward. So I think that's, you know, one positive that you can take defensively is that your Mike linebacker is playing really well, starting to play well, um, and just had a very big game. Anything else that just stand out to you? I mean, we, if anyone has questions, ask away. We'll be able to answer some of them. Uh, Joe has the is is, is in control of that, so trying to look at some of this stuff right now. I mean, I, I mean, uh, someone posted. I think it was yeah, I think it was Joe talking about um, same issues. I agree, and I promise you. I mean, I, the guy who's coaching high school football, well, not anymore. We lost last night in the playoffs, so that's all. That 
rough year. But I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if you, I know for a lot of guys in the chat that are parents, if you tell your kid to do the same, not do the same thing over and over and over again, to keep on doing it, uh, what do you do differently? Do you stop telling them that? I mean, I know these coaches are trying to show them different ways, show them different film, try different coaching tactics. At a certain point, something will click for these guys and we'll be a better team. But I mean, for a lot of the young guys that we have, I and mean, we got young guys everywhere on defense, at a certain point, it will click. We're just watching what should be practice film because we don't have the juniors and seniors to be out there. And we can, can we call things for what it is too? I mean, obviously, as we mentioned multiple times, no one's going to be excited about how this game went down. Certainly you take the win a win is a win. You move on to the next week, but you were hoping to be able to come out, look crisp in all three phases, be able to play complimentary football, something that they've really struggled the entirety of the season to really do. But having said that, between this week and then next week against Vandy. And even though the competition should pick up because it's an SEC team, no one's saying Vandy's world beaters. But when you look at the four games, right, the final four games of the season, Jacksonville State, Vandy, Kentucky, Clemson, what better way to start the first two weeks than to play Jacksonville State and then play Vandy, trying to gain that confidence, trying to be able to do some things that maybe you haven't been able to do. And, again, they weren't clean throughout this game. There were some good things they did offensively. There were some good things they did even defensively at the beginning of the game, certainly at the end. And, you know, I, I won't really talk about the OD interception, which is great, but at that point, the desper desperation mode. Yep. Um, but but I think more than anything is you're just trying to find something, just something. And I know people are sick and tired of trying to look at the glass half full, but unfortunately when you're 2-6 and six coming into a day like today, now you go to 3-6, and six, you don't have any choice. You know, I know yeah. some people were upset with the comments about that to, to carry on Joyner was making, which is like, hey, look, guys, you know, we're trying to find a way to be able to enjoy the rest of our year. Telling the teammates, like, look, you know, I've, I've been here when the years weren't that great. The first couple of years that he was here as a freshman and sophomore, what people really forget. And I've been putting this out there the last couple of weeks, but people have been forgetting so much. When you look up at the roster, OK, when you look at the roster, the majority of this team, Freshmen, okay, they weren't here last year, of course. But sophomores, redshirted sophomores, even the guys that are juniors now. And then you could throw in some transfers too. They're not used to seeing losing at South Carolina. Unfortunately, historically, yeah, a lot of you guys, myself included, we've seen a lot of losing years for the Gamecocks. They're not used to it. So for a lot of them, again, the majority of this team, nearly 60%, nearly 60% are used to at least winning seven games or more during their career at South Carolina. So when you hit some adversity, you need players to say stuff like that. And who better to say it than someone that's gone through it, unfortunately. And I'm not saying that's the reason why they won today, but you're just trying to dig yourself out of this hole, gain some confidence, and being able to have these two weeks back-to-back -back before other things start to pick up, I think the timing's good. Yeah. And I do want to kind of comment. I know we've been kind of highlighting the, yeah. the rally things. So I was up in the tradition zone with, with Perry Orth, and he will be able to explain this way more eloquently than some O-line guy who knows nothing of quarterback play. He was awesome on Monday, by the way. I mean, I know it was last week's stuff, but go check mix mixing a water yeah. Monday last week with Perry because he's, he's spot on with everything. He knows a little bit about quarterback play. He'll be, he'll be coaching college soon I, at some point. If Shannon lets him, if the wife lets him. <laughs> Maybe on the way. I'm Maybe not, on the way. I'm not sure. No, I mean, and he'll be the first one to tell you this, and I'll I'll talk trash for him. Uh, he's 100 percent uh, effort and coach or coaching and zero percent talent. I mean, that guy is a workhorse. But he was mentioning that there's a lot of off-platform throws, a lot of really not firing through and kind of throwing off your back foot versus firing through your front foot. I think. I mean, again, 
Rowther's still very, very good, but I think that he was having an off day as well. I think he was either trying to do different things or just trying or might have fallen back into old bad habits. And it's funny, you know, we watch a throw where like it's a little bit low, like it's at the knees versus the chest. We're like, oh man, Spencer sucks today. <laughs> like he's been so good that a bad day for Spencer is a great day for almost anybody else. But I agree, he was a little bit off today. I think that he's gonna. I wouldn't be surprised if his post game stuff. He talks some. He talks trash about himself that he got to play better. Yeah, I mean, through for what, Joe? Was it 350 something yards, something around that ballpark? I didn't yeah, see the Spencer's final, final line was 27 of 38, 399, two touchdowns and an interception. So it was um, right under 400. Yeah. So just with a that, hair with so with that, with that, he has eclipsed now the uh, 2500 yard mark on the season, uh, which I believe, and I'm not sure. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. We so also have an offensive line comment. I'm sure that Garrett. I'm trying to, to do so. I'm trying to do some math in my head right now. I still think he's about 12, 15 yards short of Bobby Fuller's performance of throwing uh, 2,524 yards back in 91. But I bring that up because the point being is what Rattler is going to do is he's going to find himself in the top 10 for most passing yards in a season, which, oh, by the way, last season he threw for over 3,000 yards, which is the sixth most in program history. We think of Jake Bentley. You think of Steven Garcia. Uh, and then Rattler, of course, being in there as the only quarterbacks in that group to do it twice on that top 10 list. And again, Rattler hasn't done it yet, but, you know, he needs another 15 yards. He needs a quick quick out to uh, to uh, Leggett, and he'll be able to do that next week. But Bentley, Garcia, these are guys that had multiple years to do this. I mean, he's only been here two years. He's come right in right away, and he's been able to make a difference. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. So John Thomas is commenting – we do not have a good offensive line coach, missed assignments, and bad techniques. I wanted to see what Garrett thought about that because we're getting a lot of comments about the offensive line. I mean, per usual, right, the forgotten five. Yep. But um, just uh, what do you think about, um, you know, the offensive line play today and just kind of how it's going? Sure. And we've talked about this a couple times, and I'll kind of just reiterate this. I mean, you know, one thing I thought that was uh, interesting for this week is that um, – the one thing that I think Rattler will probably say after the post game too is that he held onto the ball too long. There are a lot of situations where he could, we, and and not all on him. There's a lot of situations where we were just completely covered. You know, you watch either Rattler scramble or Rattler try to you know just avoid a sack by running the ball. Um, and the reason why is because you look at the at the uh, the backfield and there's just everybody's covered. But you know what's so funny thing about it is that yeah, the run game wasn't that great, but like. We gave Spentler Rattler a ton of time back there to make long decisions. I I know we think that it's all the coach. If I gave you a a 10-year-old women's soccer team and told you to go beat Alabama up in the trenches, you're not going to do it. We still have talent issues. We still have a lot of people that we – I mean, we're still leaning on freshmen in the SEC, and as one who did that, you should not be leaning on freshmen in the SEC. There's maybe one a year that can play at that level, and we don't have those guys. We don't have the NIL for it. Um, I think Lonnie's still good. I think we still need to give him some time. You've got to look at those rosters. We do not have the talent that other teams do. And I personally, I thought we've gotten better. And this is coming from a guy who coaches a lot. I'll be the first one to tell you, man, we suck. I think we are doing well with what we have in that room. Yeah, I mean, I know people are sick and tired of hearing the injury excuse, right? But at some point, too, it's not just an excuse. It's the reality. I mean, this is a team that has been plagued, especially at the offensive line position, by injuries. And we already knew heading into the year, and I said this beforehand, not to downplay the running back room and give credit to Mario Anderson for what he's been able to do as the season's gone on. But 
Joe, we talked about it in the offseason. I felt like heading oh, yeah. into the year, the offensive line room was going to be the biggest question mark. And unfortunately, well, what happens? Well, injury after injury after injury. And, Garrett, you know better than anybody. And I think, again, let's not let's not confuse this with the reality versus excuse, okay? Because he'll be the first one to say, Mike, no, I'm not going to make an excuse. He's an offensive lineman. Offensive linemen don't make excuses. I can tell you that much. But when you do have as many injuries as they've had and they've been trying to figure out, okay, hey, this combination, that combination, you have two true freshmen. I know not today, but you have two true freshmen at times starting and you're just trying to figure out something. Never mind the fact that you have a new offensive system that you're trying to learn. Um, how much control can you really have if you're an offensive line coach? I mean, I, I can tell you this right now. I mean, one thing that I kind of keep an eye on is that Eric Wolford's over that Alabama. And Alabama, in terms of talent, in terms of blue chip players, all that kind of stuff, that's supposed to be the best offensive line in the nation by a long shot. They have sucked. <laughs> they have really struggled this year. They've gotten a little better. They have some games here and there. They haven't been that bad. But that's been the biggest knock on Alabama is that their O-line has been terrible. At a certain point, you got to have the dudes. <laughs> like, I mean, we just don't have the guys. And I know the injuries have been a problem. And I know they've been trying to work on it. I mean, Garjula has talked about it so many times. that They're trying to be the best offensive line that they can be. And I think they're really working on it. But at the end of the day, you got to have some dudes. Yeah, Travis asked, Garrett, yeah. do you notice the offensive line doesn't set as deep as they did versus Chapel Hill? And we have another comment, too, about the DBs. We'll get to that. I, yeah, and I, I do want to talk about the DBs. I, I, that's that's an NIL conversation. Someone else mentioned the Garnet Trust, which I do yeah. want to kind of touch on. But uh, I, they've they have changed the way that they do the O-line every single week. <laughs> I've watched what Lonnie's doing, and I don't disagree with what he's doing. I, there's a couple times where I, I know what he's trying to get to, and our guys just completely miss the play. I mean – Lonnie's done a lot of kind of – I mean, one thing that is – it seems very obvious, but if you have a battle line, you do a lot of stunts. You do, you know, tackle in games. You do a lot of NT twists, trying to keep the offensive line off center and make sure that you show pressure and bring pressure to the side. A lot of those obvious things. One thing that Lonnie's done a really, really good job of is that – and I do agree, the, the depth has been different, but the way that they attack it, we've had a lot of short set stuff, which is really, really good, just trying to attack the guy on the line, give – remove the amount of time that the defensive lineman has to – beat us off the line um he's done a lot of different things trying to get this o-line into a position to win um the depth has been different um i liked it this week i just know that if we can if we did what we did this week versus kentucky or vandy or i mean a, a really good pass rush team i mean we're gonna have a problem um yeah it seems better i mean chapel hill sucked i want to forget that game ever <laughs> joe can you bring up that comment right underneath real quick though because I think some people, they they forget this. I know it's been mentioned. Yeah. Um, the one with Zachary. Yep. Uh, yeah, the ninth offensive line combination. So, again, trying to find that continuity, trying to find something. And, look, obviously there's some guys banged up right now that you know you're not going to be able to have. But here's the beauty of it. You're starting to get some of those guys back in the lineup. You start to have some options now with a guy like Casey Henry, with a guy like Vershawn Lee. And certainly things – Today, there were some good, but there were some things you would like to do better, as as, uh, as we've been talking about oh, here. Yeah. But now you have at least some options here. And God forbid, and you pray to God that no one else gets hurt, but God forbid someone goes down, at least you have some guys that have been battle-tested already this season. But you pray to God that that's not the case. You said you had a uh, a defensive yeah. back question? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Steve Mack, yep. yeah, asking about portal DBs. Do we need to dip into the portal for DBs? So let's talk about the age of our DBs. You know, uh, look at what FSU has done. I'm trying to think of other programs that have just LSU. LSU. I mean, programs that have completely revitalized their program from the depths of hell in three years with the transfer portal. Now, let's be honest here, and this is where I kind of want to mention the Garner Trust. FSU has money. 
Texas programs have money. You know, these these other programs have a ton of NIL money to go pick guys. And I will tell you this, and this is kind of an insider thing, but we were in the running for a handful of really good O-linemen through the NIL. We didn't have the budget to do so. I'm telling these guys, and I know no one wants to hear this because people want to see success and then pay their money, but other programs are paying big dollars right now to – I mean, hell, what's what's A&M? Five and three? Yeah. You know how much I money those guys I don't know paying? how they went to it, but I got I, – I, I know it was a shootout, and I think – I feel like Ole Miss pulled it out. I'm not positive, but, I mean, I, I want to say 10X. I'm, I'm probably way off, but Texas oil money is giving them five and three. <laughs> like, I'd be pissed. So listen, I, I think we need DBs. I think we need everything. I mean, we, there's a lot of things we got to get out of the transfer portal. One thing that has been a blessing that people don't harp on enough is that we're getting people like Nick Harbor because he likes Shane. We shouldn't be in the running for someone like that because those guys go where the money is. We're, they're coming here because they like our head coach. It's a great start, but we've got to find those guys in the portal and we got to find a way to either get better endorsements that we can work with or whatever it may be to get those guys. But yeah, DBs, all that kind of stuff, but that's going to start with the Garner Trust. I don't like it. Guys, I'm not going to say you have to like it, but welcome to 2023 college football. Yeah, I, I got one point about in. the DBs real quick, too, just on this yeah, topic. I mean, I, I, I would say, yeah, like absolutely. Uh, um, dip in as much as you need to, but a lot of young guys, like Garrett said, but um, South Carolina is a very enticing place to play if you're a DB. Just the way Torian Gray has been producing NFL-level guys. You saw where Cam Smith, Darius Rush, where they went to last season. They were pretty high draft picks. So um, it's a very enticing place to play. And then, I mean, you know, like Marcellus Dial, Donald Fortune, they're all going to the next level too. And we've talked about mm-hmm. it in the offseason, especially the amount of NFL-level coaches that South Carolina brings in is kind of the level out, if you will, um, in terms of NIL. It gives you a little bit more advantage. Like, come here and go make more money the next level so um did just want to chime in with that yeah and look i i get it okay and steve um certainly at some point and i say some point at some point in the near future once we get into december we'll be definitely talking more about the portal because that's when guys are going to start to have their end of the year meetings with their coaches trying to figure out okay coach what is the plan for me moving forward and some guys might already in their head say i'm out of here there could be guys from lower divisions whether it be fcs or it could be a group five school that's looking for an opportunity to take that next step up but having said all that, you know, at some point, we'll, we'll deal with that. And USC certainly needs to address a bunch of positions. But I think the, the reality of it all is, again, as Garrett alluded to, USC doesn't have the NIL funds right now. And that's not to say that they won't be able to go out there and bring in a talented guy. That's not to say that they won't continue to find diamonds in the rough, like a Mario Anderson, like a, uh, two swells. He was a known commodity at the FCS level, but still being able to get a lower level guy, be able to bring some of these guys in here. But at the same time, too, it, it's not NFL free agency. It's not as simple as just being able to go out there and say, hey, man, come to South Carolina because they don't have the money just to throw at them. So being able to continue to develop some of these guys, and they do have a lot of young talent. We talked about this even before the start of the season. And I know, I know this fan base is sick and tired of hearing stuff like this, but. Um, 2025, I really believe, is when South Carolina was going to take that next step. I still feel like with just how young they are this year, next year, and that's not to say like next year is going to be a complete wash, very difficult schedule when you look at Alabama, you got to play LSU, Ole Miss, Oklahoma. But the point being is there's a lot of young talent on this team, and certainly more than anything, more than anything, and I'm sure you would agree with me on this one, Garrett, it's not just about going out in the portal and getting players. 
It's making sure players don't leave here. Retention, to me, is more important than anything else. But, again, we'll deal with that at some point. But it sounds like you want to have a thought on that, though. Well, and, and someone had mentioned, like, a toxic uh, community. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, you know, in terms of how do you define a toxic community, guys, you should – I mean, like the seats I sat in over there in traditions, some of y'all pay a ton of money <laughs> to be a part of this community. Uh, you should not be stoked about getting beat. You should not be, you know, accepting just mediocrity. That is never the point. The difference is, is making sure that the blame is put in the right situation, making sure that you have the right conversations. And just still at the end of the day, you can love Carolina football. You can be frustrated that we're not great. Uh, toxic is such a particular word, but like, I, I don't, I look, be frustrated. This is a great, Shane will never see this. <laughs> like, like there's there's no reason that this coach should be bothered. This is a great place to have this conversation. Well, safe space. Safe space. Safe space to talk to. This is a circle of trust. Yeah. We're not going to tell you, boss. <laughs> but, like, at the end of the day, like, this is where you got to support the Garner Trust. This is where you've got to really, really get behind the program. And, you know, where they need those certain things, you got to make it happen. It's super loud, too. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Garrett's got to get going in a minute. Before I have him go, though, and then we're going to hit some ad reads, and then we'll wrap up. But, Garrett, just any any final thoughts as we – I'll tell you what, though. The grass looks great today. Grass looks it's great good. today. Yeah, um, looks good. We're getting some on, as I can tell you. It looks phenomenal. But any final thoughts on either today, what this team needs to do next week? Because, again, yeah, they got to win out. They have to win out if they want to become bowl eligible. Certainly that shouldn't be the focus right now. It's just about being Vandy yep. and being able to – Get back-to-back wins. I'm trying to think. They they haven't been able to do that this year, if I'm not mistaken. Furman, Mississippi State, Jackson State. Those are the three, right? Mississippi State was that back-to-back weeks. I mean, this whole no, season. Furman, Furman, Mississippi State wasn't back-to-back. No, Georgia was the following week. That's correct. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. whole season, especially when you haven't been playing home games in forever. Um, but the point being is you have an opportunity to do something you haven't achieved yet this season. And you're in the last freaking month of the year. So, again, I, any final thoughts? And the, and the coaches are going to have a really – I mean – no one's in that building not trying to win, but this is a great time of the year to have a really good push going into bowl season to get a couple more wins. If you if you win out and go to a bowl game, that is so, so good for recruiting. Um, I, I think this was a great week to have really, really dumb young people mistakes, and I think that Rattler – I think honestly a thing too, I, I don't think Rattler came into the game like not caring, but you've had a long couple of weeks, and you're about to have a long couple of weeks. This is probably where a lot of guys are like, I just want to go up there win a game, not try super hard, and go go rest up. And that just didn't happen for a lot of those guys. But not a bad week. It was a dub. But, I, I mean, guys, be frustrated. This wasn't a fun game. It, it didn't feel like a win, and it's not supposed to feel like a win, but it still was a win. Former Gamecock offensive lineman, Garrett Anderson. Hey, Garrett. All right, Joe. Let's head to the ads, and then we'll wrap things up here. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to you guys about our first sponsor of the night. Are good friends over at Liberty Tax. Tax ID is an uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. The tax team at Liberty Tax in Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia will, will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time if you're in a hurry for your refund. Call on the tax team at Liberty Tax. They are fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, talk to the Liberty Tax team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated, staffed by tax professionals from your neighborhood, open 9 to 9 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start through the Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal. Make an appointment or just walk in. Give a call to upload your tax documents, and when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. Give them a call on your screen right now. 
803-462-5576. Once again, on your screen right now, 803-462-5576 for all of your tax needs. Oh, Mike, can't hear you. Muted. I said, I'm in the end zone right now. I don't know what happened. I'm just absolutely soaked right now. I mean, the wallet soaked, everything in the pocket on that side. So, uh, again, they take care of the facilities. We are live. We are live. I love that. They they, 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 they go the extra mile to make sure the field looks good, just like our buddy Clint Hammond goes the extra mile to make sure that he's taking care of you and your family as you're out there looking to purchase a new home. When former Gamecock quarterback Perry Orth, as well as our very own Wes Mitchell, when both of those families were trying to purchase a home, who did they call? Well, they called Clint Hammond, and Clint was able to find them the best rate on the market. And as many of you know right now, that's not necessarily easy to do. Give Clint a call over at the Movement Mortgage at 803-771-6933, a longtime supporter of not just Gamecock Central, but these GC Live shows. All right, Joe, final thoughts before we wrap things up here on this Saturday afternoon. Not typically used to doing these shows at at least at home i know yeah it i mean early early show for us so it's kind of nice um for once a little change of pace but my final thoughts on this one south carolina much needed win at home on just to kick off this homestand all of your work is left in front of you you still have a lot of it to go starting with a tough test with vandy and then you got kentucky and then clemson who just knocked off notre dame so um, I, I, you know, it's a long road to bowl eligibility, but you know, there's a lot of positive things that you can take from today. Um, there's also a lot, a lot of negatives, but I mean, if, if this team kind of keeps practicing the way that we've been told that they've been practicing and keep their heads, you know, pointed towards the same goal for four quarters, I think, you know, bowl eligibility is certainly still doable, but you know, you have to be perfect from here on out. Um, and, and so, like I said, defensively, a lot of things you can hold your head high on. And try to, you know, take into this home stretch because you're going to need it. A um, lot of tough opponents left to go. But, yeah, Mike, long story short, you, you, your work is in front of you. And today, you know, it, it certainly helped the road to bowl eligibility, but still a, lot of, still a lot left to go. I think the biggest takeaway for me is you won today. It was ugly, but you won, right? I mean, if they had beat Florida, they had beat Florida a couple weeks ago, very similar. Right. You did some good things, but it wouldn't have been an ugly. It would have been a pretty win. It would have been an ugly win. So I say that because at the end of the day, no one should be satisfied with what we saw out here on the field today. I'm sure those coaches and players feel the same way. I'm sure that locker room. Yeah, they're happy that they were able to get a win. Right. You lose for a month straight, four straight games. No one's going to be happy with that. So you're able to get back in the win column. But I think, again, you look at the things that you were able to do well today that you needed to do well, whether it be forcing some turnovers, something they hadn't done since the end of September against Tennessee, or whether it be trying to um, find a way to get Xavier Leggett. I mean, it could be an individual thing as well, being able to get him back out there and getting acclimated to just game speed and being back out there doing all those kind of things. So I bring these things up because certainly – Certainly, and I feel like we've been a broken record saying these things all year. Certainly, they did not play a great game today. We all know that. They did some good things at times in all three phases, but they certainly had their flaws in all three phases. Xavier will get for as much praise as we're going to give him. Second straight week, though, on special teams that he was called 
for a penalty on a kick-catch interference. So I bring these things up because even a guy that had a phenomenal day, phenomenal day, he can even get better, right? So I, I think more than anything, you're happy that you won. You're grateful more than anything that you won because we saw how things won a couple of weeks ago when they played Florida here, right? You feel like you have a win, and then what happens? Florida takes it right back from you. That's why I was saying about the Stone Blanton pick six, you're, be grateful for that. Be grateful. Did Stone have a great game? Certainly not. He had a rough one. He had a rough one. He'd probably be the first to tell you that. But be grateful that he was able to make the play that he needed to more than any anything when it mattered the most. If you missed any of our program today, head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page where you can watch this show in its entirety. Or if you're a podcast listener, head on over to the Gamecock Central podcast platform. Both of those platforms podcast and youtube they're free subscribe enjoy all these shows and any other shows we do in videos we post on gamecock central he's in turn joe i'm mike yuba coming at you from a loud williams bryce stadium where they are getting the field ready because there's plenty of football left to be played here at williams bryce these next three weeks we got three more home games to go south carolina clinging clinging to any hopes of becoming bowl eligible by winning today but they need to do it again next week against Bandy. Enjoy the rest of your night. Be safe, and we will see you guys on Tuesday night. The GC Live, talking Tuesday's catch, the walkthrough with Joe tomorrow. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.